0: It's 2021, but 2020 came along for the ride. What do we do with that? What do we do with that as people of faith? That's what we're talking about today on the Gather Grow Go podcast. Welcome to the Gather Grow Go Podcast. I'm Pastor Daniel.
1: I'm Pastor Melissa.
0: And today on the podcast, we are joined by an extra special guest as we continue in this series looking at what it means for us as Christians in 2021 with 2020 coming along for the ride. Today, we are joined uh, by my boss and Melissa's boss and and, and our theologian in residence for Central Texas, uh, Bishop Mike Lowry. We are so thankful for your presence with us today on this Zoom and your willingness to to share with us kind of your heart in this season. One of the things I've shared with our church leadership and they have shared with me is just how uh, grounding many of the videos that you have dropped out uh, into the world over the course of this time, kind of grounding us as people of faith uh, have been helpful for them as they wrestle with and, and make their own decisions as followers of Jesus and people living through a pandemic for the first time. So thank you, Bishop Lowry, for joining us today.
2: It is my pleasure to be with both of you, and uh, not only with the two of you, but uh, of course with uh, both the congregation and the friends of First United Methodist uh, Church in Cleburne. Uh, it's it's my joy. Uh, I've been to the church a number of times and uh, and treasure it. I think both of you know that, and, uh, and there are a good number of folks uh, in Cleburne who are aware of that. So it's, it's uh, a joy for me to share with you
0: well we are thankful, um, both for your for your love and care of this church family but also for your leadership of the church in this time. Um, I, as we begin, I would wonder if there has been kind of a uh, an overriding either Christian ethic or grounding scripture that has helped you as a follower of Jesus as you live through this pandemic that has kind of sort of said, all right, above all else, I am grounding myself here. what what has been that for you in this time?
2: one of the bible phrases uh, that i'm living with this year i pick a different one kind of every year and I'm off paragraph but i've gone back to a simple one i used eight ten 8 10 years ago that's that's popular and that comes out of colossians and it's the simple phrase christ in you the hope of glory mm. so so it, as um so as simplistic as it sounds which is a little bit different from simple but as simplistic as it sounds, I think one of the ethics that we have to ask ourselves here is um, what would Christ have us do as Christ followers? So, you know, uh, for me, um, I, I live out of the notion that to be Christian is to acknowledge Him as Lord, which is to say, your leader, your your master, your CFO, your Supreme president, your whatever kind of modern or ancient label you wanna stick on that, which means um, that uh, we live as a people who don't demand our own rights, Hmm. but rather uh, live to be a people that serve and sacrifice for others. And that's a very different ethic than the ethic of a world Uh, demand your rights and get what you want. Um, I think the Christian ethic is just the opposite. You know, all of the gospels in one form or another record Jesus looking at his followers and saying, uh, um, uh, those who want to follow me must pick up their cross Mm. uh, and deny themselves for me and for the sake of the gospel. And so in a time of COVID-19, uh, and and great tumult both both nationally but frankly worldwide um, We Christians need to be a servant people
0: mm. um,
2: who see following Christ is our primary obligation, uh, duty and joy uh, on top mm. of duty and obligation a, a genuine joy that that, that, that true, greatness in living comes in serving.
0: Mm. And and one of the, as you were speaking bishop one of the things that jumps out to me is one of the part of the, the kind of default christianese language that we hear over and over again is Jesus is my lord and savior and in our default christianese we tend to lean on the savior bit and not on the lord bit right where we yep. can be fans of Jesus and trust him to uh bring us home to glory as it were uh but that day to day am I willing to live as a as a given and living sacrifice in the name of Jesus day in and day out that that is uh simple but not easy right you made the distinction that, between simple exactly and right. simplistic but
2: yeah and and we and we all get caught in our own emotions at different times Uh, I'll watch the evening news and, and I'll, and something will set me off and my wife will lean over and pat me on the shoulder and say, you know, I, I, I don't want you to have a heart attack sitting next to me. So we're going to turn this off (laughs) if you can't calm down, you know, and, 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 uh, and I tend to get irritated when she does that, but I also happen to know she's right. (laughs) You know, if, if we would put it that way, Christian living is, is often, is often counterintuitive and, um, the earliest Christians had a three-word creed. This is, this is pre any of the great church mm. councils that gave us the Nicene Creed and the Apostles' Creed. Their three-word creed was simply, Jesus is Lord.
0: Mm.
2: And, and, and by Lord, that by definition means he's both fully human and fully divine, It means, by definition, he is God to be followed and served. And so for me, uh, I think one of the things we've got to claim is the notion that the primary response of a Christian is allegiance, Mm. which is very different. Um, uh, It's interesting, the uh, pistis, the biblical term for faith, is is a term that in the in the Roman culture out of which it comes, uh, the, the the term carried notions of fidelity and allegiance much more than terms of of intellectual belief or assent. Mm. Okay, well, I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to recall. I'm trying to recall who wrote the book. There was a book uh, published I don't know seven eight years ago uh, called entitled "Not a Fan." and I don't know if either of you have read it, and I read it real quickly a while back, a good while back, Uh, but the guy who wrote the book was a, was a, I think, a a pastor someplace back on the East Coast, and memory serves me right, he was, he was uh, either Baptist or independent Bible, but I mean, he was from that kind of tradition, and he wrote using the football image, and he said, you know, a lot of want to live with the savior kind of emphasis you talked about and they want to be fans in the stands cheering mm. yeah. and what jesus wants us is on the field playing mm. Melissa, i cut you off i apologize
1: no that's okay i love the imagery that you offered us in that i want to take us back to i loved where you ended of like in this whole work when we when we get onto the football field when we're following jesus um, there should be genuine joy in the work that we do is with it. Um, And I think one of the insights that we keep seeing over and over again in this whole pandemic is the invitation to hear one another's stories afresh. And so I, I wonder in living this out, is there a story of a time when God genuinely surprised you? And what was that like in this and leading through all this while also living it for the first time yourself as well.
2: Kyle, you, you know, <laughs> uh, I think all of us are, are quite periodically surprised by God. Mm. I mean, I, I, I just think uh, I think that happens with such regularity and um, <laughs> so mine comes around the stories of transformation of people and uh, periodically, I've been engaged in prison ministry, in 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 various forms. Uh, that that goes back to the early days of my my own conversion, which was as a college student, my sophomore year in college at a little Quaker school, Earlham College. I, I think some of your listeners will will recall that I was actually Quaker before I joined the Methodist Church and i was a part of what was called yoke fellow then and we did a uh, prison visitation at a at a uh, indiana uh, state prison there called pendleton and then i've done it over the years the, the last um kind of big occasion well two big occasions one was up here in fort worth at the federal penitentiary and another was uh, with um an an Emmaus, uh uh, group that was doing a, a prison ministry. There's a version of the Emmaus walk called Kairos, which is a prison. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't know why I'm thinking of that, but what came into my mind on that was, was the conversion of a guy uh, in prison uh, at, at the Boyd unit uh, on my uh, Kairos walk, where we ended up kneeling and praying on the cement mm-hmm. with guards surrounding us. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, um, to this day, I think, uh, boy, that was a real miracle, uh, mm-hmm. divine intervention. Um, and last I heard, which is a couple of years old, so three or four years and kind of who knows, that conversion was really taking. Uh, mm-hmm. And interesting enough, that guy had been head of the Muslim unit in prison, <laughs> And he knew when he went back to his cell he'd be beaten up for having become a Christian, and uh, and so, you know, I look at that and think, man, was I surprised? But let me give you let me give you a totally different story, uh, and, and that's going to a church I will not name, but one that had a reputation among clergy and conference lay leaders for being quite dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. And going in there and going in in a situation is a a little uh, let me chase a rabbit for 10 seconds. As a (laughs) bishop, you tend to get you tend to go to churches when it's wonderful and you get an overly inflated good picture, or you tend to go when it's absolutely terrible and you got get an overinflated bad picture. Uh, you you know, you find
0: you're called in for the big celebrations or to put out fires. One of the that's
2: exactly that's exactly right, Daniel. Well said, said. And, and, uh, and so this case, I was coming in to put out fires and, and uh, we're getting ready for the worship service and they're just some wonderful lay people Mm. praying for the health of the church, praying for a pastor that they actually want moved, but still caring about that pastor. And I think, you know, to myself, You know, in all of its uh, kind of normalness, if you will, it's probably bad grammar, but you get my drift. Um, These are really good people who are genuinely trying to live the gospel.
0: Mm.
2: Mm. And I think, you know, that kind of stuff just, that just buoys me. Mm. Yeah. third quick incident is one I've written about. Uh, but it was uh, doing a lakeside baptism in the middle of COVID uh, with ma- wearing a mask and everything, standing in the water. Uh, and, 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 because it was Hispanic, predominantly Hispanic having a translator mm. it did the baptismal liturgy. Mm. It, I mean, I look at it and think, man, God's at work here, folks. The Holy yeah. spirit is moving. Um, and, uh, and that's in the middle of COVID. And, and uh, you can get me to wax eloquent. The Christian faith did its earliest major growth yeah. under persecution in the Roman Empire during two pandemics where, where the non-Christian, the pagani, the pagans, literally would leave a loved one to die. And the Christians would go in. This is well documented. The Christians would go in and take care of that loved one, often uh, getting the disease themselves and sacrificing their own life uh, to mm. eat somebody else's passing. And I, I just think you know,
0: mm.
2: you know, there's a part of me that's surprised at all that, and there's another part of me that thinks, well, why should I be surprised? Doggone it, I've studied this stuff through three degrees, you know. Yeah.
0: No, it, it is the the moments of joy and profound faithfulness that you highlight. I know are things that we have seen in this season. And sure this has been a season of profound disruption. But one of the things that has been incredibly clear and good to my soul as we've wrestled with making decisions we didn't dream we'd ever have to make and you know, having things politicized that shouldn't be, uh, and, and any number of other things, was just the profound faithfulness and and spirit-led willingness to prayer to sacrifice, and to care uh, for each other. Um, You know, we've we've got some of our, you know, all of our Sunday school classes are still on Zoom right now, and worship for Mm -hmm. us is online only. Uh, We've got a couple of benchmarks we're looking for for uh, community spread markers to kind of hit before we return to in-person as we were for a good chunk of the fall. Um, But I'm, I'm struck by just how faithful our Sunday school classes have been, not just those who, you know, meet all the definitions of being at risk to this pandemic, but those who continue to be faithful and fruitful and, and aren't beating down my door to say, look, everybody in my Sunday school class is under 40, why do I have to follow all these rules? They're instead investing, how can we be better followers of Jesus? Right. Um, and that's just, you know, a part of what has brought joy to me, this spirit, and and been an, you know, embodiment of of joy as well, that kind of Christian service. Um and following of Jesus as Lord. Yeah. The, uh, we've spent a lot of time talking about the individual, right? What, what, what are some of my stories? What are some of your stories? What is your kind of grounding ethos for individual Christians in this time? Uh, I'd be interested if you could share with us kind of what your grounding recommendation and ethos is uh, for Churches in this season, knowing that everybody's context is a little different, everybody, you know, specifically pandemic-related. But from a theological, ethic, and ethos standpoint, um, what what would you say to to churches today who are continuing to wrestle with this this moment where you know the pandemic is still, you know, we're kind of we've been talking about this liminal space that we find ourselves in, right? We're not where we were back last March or even over the summer, where you know the future felt forever, right? we've got people getting vaccine shots right now, right? But we're not, we're also in the place where we had the most people die to COVID-19 in the last week um, as, a, as a country than we've had at any other week in this process, right? So we're in this in-between. What would you say to, to churches um, right now in terms of living, living that following of Jesus as Lord? Um,
2: so the first thing is the most obvious, but it's also one of the most real, hmm. which is to say be places of prayer. Mm. So, you know, so take that seriously, and uh, we are we are in a uh, in a Christian culture in America, and this is not just the Methodist Church. This is the the kind of wider Christian culture where we where we tend to pray in a way that brings God our shopping list. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yep. You know,
2: and so I would say the first thing you do is is uh, is you come and praise.
0: Mm.
2: Because when we praise, we acknowledge that God is Lord. Mm-hmm. And we live in the in the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, doing that. And, that, and that, that means that our prayers are prayers of praise and thanksgiving and confession. And then, and only then, prayers of petition and supplication. Uh, it's, it's the old acts formula adoration uh, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. if you it, it just is a kind of simple mental exercise. And part of the prayers of a faithful local church um, are prayers that extend beyond the boundaries of our local church and extend beyond the boundaries of our nation, okay? and extend beyond the boundaries of just those who are Christian so that we pray for our brothers and sisters who may think this business of being a Christ follower is just a bunch of baloney Mm. Uh, but they are people too for whom Christ died and that by the way is pretty good to remember in tumultuous political times as well that the guy or gal you vehemently disagree with is somebody Jesus climbed up on the cross for, mm. you know, there's a part of me that is constantly caught in amazement just by the audacity of Jesus Christ and the gospel. We mm. preach. So I, so for starters, I would think about that. The second thing I go back to what I said earlier, which is to say the church exists uh, to be a church that models Christ, Christ in me, the hope of glory. And that means a servant church, the non-self. Mm walk in the way of Christ, Uh, pour yourself out. If you go back and look at the, I'm a bit of a bootleg historian. In fact, I've thought in retirement, I might go back and get a master's in history just for the sheer fun (laughs) of it in my own life. Nice. But if you look at the history of uh, the Methodist movement during the great pandemic of the first part of the 20th century, the influenza pandemic, Mm -hmm. uh, what was amazing was how deeply committed The church was uh, to taking care of those who were sick Mm -hmm. um, uh, to engaging in hospital work. Need I remind folks of Central Texas that the original name is Harris uh, for half of the THR system was the Harris Methodist Hospital System. No, know, uh, that 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 was the hallmark and that maybe today with growing food insecurity, the most important thing a local church can do is simply help feed those who are hungry in your neighborhood, mm-hmm. uh, uh, which are just all all kinds of people. So I, so I want to be careful. This doesn't sound like bragging, but but I but I want to say by way of example, one of the things uh, that we did in our family system, which includes the daughter and son-in-law and grandkids and just outside of D.C. living in Falls Church, Virginia, across the Potomac, and a a son and daughter-in-law and grandkids living in Boston and us here in Fort Worth, was we all gave to local food banks. Mm. You know, I mean, and so so I just want to say, you know, the good people of First Cleburne, I know, are already involved in that. So, Mm. I mean, I want to commend the congregation and the two of you as pastors for what you're already doing. And as simple as it is, uh, we Christians ought to lead with service. We ought to lead by following Jesus. It, it it's, it's, it's as simple as you know, that. It's just not complex. Um, it it's it is it is simple, but it is also profound. That's mm. Right.
1: Mm. Absolutely. Well, we uh, we did put out um, when we were getting ready to kick off this series. Um, We put out on Instagram and on on Facebook a question for people to say, hey, what questions do you want us to ask these different um, people we're going to have on the podcast? And we did have one that was directed at the theologian that we would invite on. And so that's you. And so one of the questions we got asked is, why do some denominations seem to be so against wearing a mask?
2: I don't know. Mm. Okay, so let me not pretend that I don't know. I think I think it is a false and heretical theology that uh, says that well, somehow Christian people won't get sick.
0: Mm.
2: I mean, just read your Bible. Uh, the rainfall on the just and the unjust alike. Mm. Let me quote Holy yeah. Scripture, and, and let me uh, lift up the notion. That Jesus Himself was known as the great physician, as a healer. Okay, and there are biblical story after biblical story of Him reaching out to to cure a blind man. To well, more than one, for that matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember the the whole image of the, by the pool of Siloam, where the waters are stirred. It's stirred up, Jesus. So, uh, so uh, on that, I, I, uh, I. It's a heck of a good question, and, I, and it's one for which I, I am simply baffled. I often think that, frankly, and I'll be blunt here, that that is bad theology, that mm. good theology understands uh, that these things happen, and that often, uh, often we don't have a complete grasp of that but we do know that uh, a fair amount of pandemics and other diseases are caused by human action or more properly, inaction. So let me go back to the issue of mask wearing specifically. Right, here's a sidebar. Adam Hamilton has written a little book called Why, which mm. deals with the problem of evil, which is, which is easy to read, make a good Sunday school study. Uh, the other person who's written on the pandemic that I think uh, is, a, is one of the world's renowned biblical scholars and theologians, if not the top world-renowned biblical scholar and theologian, is the uh, professor of New Testament and Christian Antiquities at the University of St. Andrews, uh, former bishop at Durham, uh, N.T. Wright, and he's written a book on um. Christianity and the Pandemic, I think, is the title or something like that. So those are two easy-to-grasp good resources. Uh, by way of uh, illustration, I, I, we had a, almost a day doesn't go by, and I try to call every single pastor I am aware of who has COVID and or a pastor's spouse. I mean, I try to just make it so the DSs have a have a standing order that they're supposed to text me someone's cell phone number so I can call and reach out to them just with a word of encouragement and prayer. Um, and uh, we've had pastors die of COVID, mm-hmm. and I attended the funeral, masked and socially distanced. It was a graveside, uh, and and I had one of the lay people there say to me, "Well, I I understand." Uh, uh, why God would let this happen. And I think that gets us into the providential will of God, uh, which is to say, you know, if you are reckless about uh, precautions, which candidly this congregation was, then that's going to happen. So for Christians, even if you don't think you need to wear a mask, I think out of a kindness and courtesy to others, you ought to. I think it's I think it's absolutely that simple. So in a so so this is a super simple example. But uh, it, it, behind I'm sitting actually in our dining room, and behind me are uh, obviously some curtains. And yesterday we we had a fairly minor plumb, plumbing problem, and called the plumber, and and they came. And I got up, and I keep a mask sort of over here behind my computer and I forgot to put it on and I went and opened the door. And of course the plumber was there with a mask on. And and so I really quickly apologized, back up, went back to the table and got my mask. He said, oh, I've been tested negative. You don't need to worry. I have two, probably we're both fine, but boy, that is as simple Mm -hmm. as it is, even if you don't think you need to, is a courtesy to others do it. That that's a simple act of human kindness. Mm. And I'm a great advocate of of mask wearing and distance keeping. And uh, um, I'm married uh, to my wife of 44 years, who has immune deficiency. Mm. Had it well before COVID. I mean, this is a five, six, seven year battle. Uh, gets regular treatment for it. Um, doing. She's doing great. Don't. I mean, I don't, I don't mean that in any kind of negative way, but gee, we are super cautious. We're just super cautious because that's the only thing that makes sense. And so I've probably given you a longer answer than you want, Melissa. I think it's a really good question. And I'd say to the person um, that we need to get our theology clear here. Mm. God is not the cause of the pandemic, that is probably the lack of human hygiene. Okay? I mean, let's just, let's get real about this. Now, wherever that started, and I'm not going to get into a political debate on that, that's something for scientists to figure out. Amen. I am not a scientist. I am a bishop. (laughs) (laughs) I
1: I appreciated that answer, Bishop. Thank you. And I'm sure the uh, person who wrote it will also appreciate it. I think one of the kind of last things we we love to offer our guests is uh, if there's one thing, if people missed everything else that we talked about on this podcast together today, there's one thing you want them to hear. What
2: would you want them to hear, Bishop? Be followers of Christ who live sacrificially in service to others.
0: Amen. 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 Simple, but not always easy.
2: Yep. Bishop, Uh,
0: thank you. Sorry, I didn't
2: mean- I'm I'm sorry. Let me uh, just before you go, or before yeah. we go, I want to express my appreciation, Daniel, to you and Melissa, to you, for your pastoral leadership at First uh, Cleburne. Um I like to, having made both those appointments. I like to say that I and the rest of the cabinet occasionally get it right. So, uh, <laughs> so, so I want the two of you. Uh, to hear, and I want the congregation at First United Methodist Church, Cleburne, to hear my appreciation for the two of you as pastors and for the congregation as a whole. Uh, I really mean it when I say may the Lord bless you and keep you.
0: Mm. Amen. Thank you, Bishop, so much for your care and for your joining us on the podcast today. I know I'm smarter for having spent the last half hour with you, and I know our congregation will be blessed. for joining us today on the gather grow go podcast i'm pastor daniel i'm
1: pastor melissa
0: and we want to say yet again one more word of thanks to bishop lowry for for giving us a half hour to unpack the theology and and the christian ethics of what this season has for us it has been an incredible gift to cap this series looking at COVID 19 in this particular season of our life with his presence today
1: and on that note, this is the final episode we are doing in this season. And if this season has been good to your soul, if it has been informative, like I know it was for me, and I think I can speak on Pastor Dan- on behalf of Pastor Daniel as well, say that we have both learned and grown and just enjoyed this series so much. If that has been any increment of that to you, would you please do us a huge favor? Would you share this podcast with someone you know? Would you share this episode or this season with someone who is struggling with the same questions we've been asking and looking for the answers from the experts in the field? It would do us a huge favor and would be a blessing. So hit like, comment on this podcast, wherever you found it, whether that's Apple or SoundCloud, review this podcast if you have not already and then
0: share it with someone. Amen. And now that we have gathered together, I want to give you an invitation to grow. The bishop spent a good amount of his time inviting us to see Jesus as Lord. So your invitation to grow this week is quite simple. What one thing can you do to move from being a fan to being a follower, to move out of the stands and on to the field so that Christ might lead your every day?
1: And now go, receive this benediction, a blessing that's meant to be lived out as you go this week. May you go, following the three-word creed, Jesus is Lord. Amen.
0: Amen.